Hello again, friends. We're going to continue our uh, message uh, called So Just What is a Christian? I gave you an introduction to uh, 1 Thessalonians last week, and I'm going to continue uh, going back to the question, how is a Christian defined, and how can you tell the difference, perhaps, between a Christian and a church member? Well, let's first of all, let's talk about the preparation for conversion. Like any good teacher, Paul starts at the very beginning. In these first two verses, Paul answers the question, what must happen first? And he gives us two answers to that question. For a person to be converted, two things must happen. First, something from God's side and something from the human side. And God's side must always come first. So let's start with the divine side. It says, for we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you. Now, this is the answer to what must happen first. The answer is God must choose you. In theological terms, that's the doctrine of election, which simply means God chooses those who will be saved. And salvation begins with God's choice of us, not with our choosing God. And although we sometimes stumble at this truth, it should not bother us in the least. It is sometimes made to appear that election is an arbitrary choice of a celestial being and choosing someone and passing over others, but not so. The Bible teaches that election flows from the love of God, and that's why Paul calls these new believers brothers loved by God. Election is not a device for sending some men to hell, but for rescuing them from hell. I don't claim to understand all the mysteries of this doctrine, but it does teach me two things for sure. One, salvation is a work of God, not man. And two, all true believers are eternally secure. On the divine side, then, conversion begins with the work of God in eternity, his divine choice to save men and women. Now, the human side. It goes on and says, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction, lest we should become unbalanced. Paul immediately adds the human side of conversion here. God's election was made effective through the preaching of the gospel. The word was preached with the power of the Spirit, producing deep conviction in the hearts of the hearers. When he says not with words only, he means that he didn't simply memorize some evangelistic presentation or rattle off some stale message, nor did he rely on the cleverness of rhetoric to convince them. I mean, have you ever wondered why two people can hear the same message and respond in opposite ways? It happens because one man heard words while the other heard the message. It is the Holy Spirit who takes human words and preaching and makes them come alive inside the human heart. To me, um, this is uh, the wonder and glory of divine serendipity of preaching. Sunday by Sunday, I'll never know how many people will respond. All I know is that I preach God's promises that his word will never return void. It will always accomplish his purpose. But I never know in advance who my message will touch. That's why we ought to pray for the preaching of the word, that it might be accompanied with the power of the Spirit. Without that power, even the best preaching is useless to change the heart. Let's move on to another point, the evidence of conversion. Paul moves on in the next verses, and he said, you know, what should we look for? And there are three answers to that question, and they all revolve around how you respond to the word of God. Well, first of all, is receiving the word, verse 6. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Now, I hope you notice it says, in spite of severe suffering. The word means to be pressed to the limit. It has the idea of being under the thumb of another person, feeling the pressure pushing you down. 
To welcome has the idea of opening your home and heart to another person. In this case, it means the Thessalonians were so glad to be saved, they couldn't be stopped, not even by persecution. We see this often on the mission field. I've seen it when I've been in Haiti, India, and in Russia. In those places where being a Christian really costs something, I've seen much deeper joy than I often see in American churches. See, here we tend to take our blessings for granted. There, every day is a gift from God, and every Sunday is an oasis in the desert of suffering. Jesus never invites us to receive him on a trial basis, although some try to do just that. In the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, when Jesus calls a man, he bids him come and die. True conversion means that you continue to follow Jesus even when the going gets rough. Well, secondly, living the word. <clears throat> Verse 7, it says, And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Now, Thessalonica was the capital of Macedonia, so anything that happened there would eventually spread across the region. I mean, just as people talk about what happens in Chicago or Hollywood or New York, they were talking about what was happening in Thessalonica. <clears throat> the word model is the Greek word tupos, which literally refers to the impression left by a piece of metal when pressed into clay. Now, here's a great secret of evangelism. The best way to win others is by the example of your own changed life. Remember what Jesus said to the man who wanted to accompany him on his travels. In Mark 5:19. he said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Now, we all know that a satisfied customer is always the best advertisement for any product. The best place for you to make an impact for Jesus is right where you are. You don't have to go overseas to be a missionary. You can start by living for Jesus and showing others the difference he makes in your life daily. And third, speaking the word. The text goes on and says, The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Now, we don't really need to say anything about that. That's a wonderful word, word picture in this verse. When Paul says the message rang out, he uses a term from uh, the orchestra. It means to strike the cymbal. And as the Thessalonians shared Jesus, the message reverberated throughout the entire region. In the words of one commentator, the Thessalonians sounded revelry, and the whole province woke up. Now here then is the evidence of conversion clearly explained. First you receive God's word gladly, then you live it daily. As you do, the message of the gospel reverberates in every direction, and those around you begin to sit up and take notice. Now we're going to continue the next time with the text testimony to conversion. But until that next time, see the vision, live the mission, and feel the passion.